It's time for Making It Personal, a personalized SC podcast. Let's jump into today's episode. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us back on Making It Personal. We are joined today by a very special guest. Her name is Katie Allsbrook, and I'm going to let her introduce herself to you all. So, Katie, tell us uh, a little bit about yourself and your background. Okay. Hi, guys. I'm Katie Allsbrook. I teach at Blythewood High School. Um, This is my sixth year of teaching, and I and currently the teacher of the year for 2021 for Blythewood High School. So that's exciting. Yay. Yeah. So I'm originally from Monk's Corner, South Carolina, but I moved to Columbia to go to USC and I got my bachelor's in math and my master's in teaching from USC and um, did some student teaching at Blythewood High School and fell in love and decided that's where I wanted to stay. That is so exciting. And I think that is such a huge honor being nominated Teacher of the Year. So kudos to you. Thank you. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Obviously, this podcast is centered around personalized learning. And um, you are very familiar with personalized learning and actually have several practices happening in your classroom. So I wanted to kind of start by asking how you got started. Did you talk us through your journey and kind of your process? Sure. Uh, So I was a second year teacher. It was second semester and I was just burnt out. And I know that was only second year, but I remember coming home and sitting in my car and not even being able to get out of my car. I would just sit in the driveway and I, my husband would drive up and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just exhausted. And I'm like, I'm tired. And I just felt like I was doing so much because I love teaching, but I just felt like I was doing so much And it was kind of just overshadowed by the sit down, put away your phone, stop talking. Why are you getting up in the middle of the lecture? What are you doing? And so I just, I was just done. And so my um, technology specialist from my class, um, from my school reached out to me and she was like, Hey, um, there's this thing called personalized learning. I think you might be a good fit for it. Let's do some training and then kind of see where it goes from there. And so um, they provided training. We were able to go and see some schools down in the low country, um, kind of seeing it live in action. I think that was what really set it up for me was like, oh, wow, this is like real. And it's a thing. And I even went into an elementary school and saw that like they were doing it. I'm like, wait a minute. If these like fourth graders can do it, my ninth, 11th graders, they absolutely can do it. Um, and so... In that training, they said you have to do, you have to commit to more than one unit because they said the first unit is going to be bad. There's no getting around it because it's new for everybody. It's new for you, new for the students. Um, So you have to commit to more than one unit. So I came to class. We, well, we got one full day of training to um, start creating the unit. And I came to, and they said pick one class. And so I started my Algebra 2 class and I came in and I said, hey guys, we're going to try it. And if we hate it, Okay, we just will move on. But if not, I think this is something that we might like. And it was literally in the middle of the semester. We were just, I just said, let's do it. And then I loved it so much. And they said, take your time with it. Well, the next year I did it with all of my classes. So I, I just was like, this is the only way that I can teach from here on out. And I remember second, when I started it, it was coming to the end of the year and it is a lot of upfront work. So it was a lot of work in the beginning. Um, and I 
remember one day I just couldn't keep up with staying ahead. You have to stay ahead of the fastest student, basically. And so I just was like, all right, guys, we just have to put a pause in it. We're going to do some direct instruction today just because I didn't get a chance to make the notes for today. And it took one day and the kids were like, no, we don't like direct instruction anymore. So I quickly realized like, okay, there's no turning back. So I committed to it. And um, so let's see. So I started in year two. So it's been about four and a half years going strong with personalized learning. I like the point that you made about um, how important it was for you to be able to see it in action and how that was so helpful to you. And also, you know, we... Of course, in the, in our office, we talk to educators of all walks from elementary to middle to high school. And, you know, we hear it across the gamut, you know, someone, you know, an educator in the middle school level or the high school level may say, oh, yeah, like that's good in all elementary. But what about high school? So I think that's mm-hmm. very telling that you said, like, if elementary can can function, if elementary right. students can <laughs> soar and excel in this type of environment, why can't our high school students? So. How did you, how was your classroom set up? You said that you first started um, with one class and I know now you're, um, you're using these practices amongst all of your classes, but how did you kind of like set the environment for personalized learning with your students? What does that kind of look like through your lens? Are we talking about before all of this craziness or after? Before? Um, So I... I'm a big proponent of personalized learning, but I also know that you can't just throw students into it. And that's the biggest thing. And just like any, any type of new class, because this is just, it's just good teaching practices. So anything you start new, you can't just be like, here, do it. Good luck. Uh, Because it's going to crash and it's going to burn. So we start with baby steps. So very first day, we start with direct instruction, but, um, my goal in that is to just teach classroom practices and procedures. And then the next day, okay, here's the outline where you're going to be able to access all of your material. Let's just access the practice problems from it. So I started with the traditional direct instruction at the very beginning of the year. And then we slowly start moving in. So by the end of the first unit, they've experienced little pieces of personalized learning. So by unit two, we can read like we're ready to rock and roll. So it's definitely baby steps to get them because it's new. It's new for them. And I've had to learn that even though it's not new for me anymore, it is new for them. And you kind of have to convince them of it because it is different. And I want them to believe in it and love it as much as I do. So I know that I, I like I have to have to show them little things. And so I try to help them see the difference. So once we start rocking and rolling with personalized learning, um, they, it's easy by unit two. I'm like, okay, you can rock and roll. And I try to tell them because they can quiz at their own time and test at their own time. Um, and, and I try to encourage them, Hey guys, y'all who are ready for this quiz, guess what? In that next unit, you're going to get to take it when you're ready. Or, Hey guys, those of y'all who feel like you need a little bit of extra time, you get that in the next unit. So I try to like show them what's to come and really talk it up. And I can tell you that it is great because I had a baby this year. And so being on maternity leave, I teach some year long classes and even my semester classes. They were able to still function without me being there because I had I set good practices. I set good procedures. They knew the expectation of what it looks like when Miss Osbrook isn't in the classroom, what we're still expected to do. And so my classes were still able to function and I am a complete control freak. So it allowed me to 
spend time with my baby and not be so stressed about what was happening in the classroom. Um, so that, that was definitely helpful by setting up those good practices and procedures from the beginning so that when you're rocking and rolling in the middle of it all, um, the kids know the expectations and you can hold them to it. That is amazing. And I love the fact that, you know, once you established what the expectation was, your students rose to that expectation. And that is, Mm -hmm. you know, a teacher's dream. Obviously, that's a teacher's dream. (laughs) Um, And so I heard you um, say a couple things. Um, You said that you let your students test and quiz at their own time. Um, And I know that that's not something that's traditionally done in classrooms. Traditionally, we'll see, you know, quizzes on Friday, you know. Why is it that, you know, you have... Sure. Well, I think my high school math teachers will really understand where I'm coming from. So um, funny story, I had a social studies teacher come to my class and he teaches an elective course. And, you know, with elective courses, it's kind of a hodgepodge. You'll have some freshmen, some sophomores, some juniors, some seniors. So he came into one of my Algebra 2 classes, which is supposed to really be a junior class. It was an Algebra 2 CP class. And he walked in and he needed to speak to a student. And then um, he asked me, he's like, hey, is this a core class? And I'm like, yeah, it is. And he's like, it looks like an elective course because you have all kinds of students in here. And I was like, I know, welcome to the struggle. And so that is why this works. And it works so well. I can't speak to other um, types of classes, but I know in math it works because I have, so thinking about an Algebra 2 class, I have freshmen who took maybe Algebra 1 and Geometry in middle school. So those are usually the students who are supposed to be on the honors track, but maybe something went wrong or they just didn't want to do honors. I had a kid this year who she was doing band and that was going to take a lot of her time. So her mom just wasn't sure that she could handle an honors load as well. So I have her who can move really fast. And then I have seniors who are taking an Algebra 2 after four years of taking Algebra 1. So there's a lot of gaps in their learning. And so they're not able maybe to keep up with the traditional college prep load with that Algebra 2 course. So I have to meet the needs for everyone in between. And so then you have the juniors who are kind of like the ones who I guess the course is created for. So they can usually keep up with the pace. So being able to provide that flexibility for those kids who maybe have been misplaced in my class and maybe should be in an honors class or maybe can't necessarily handle the college prep load. Um, so it, it uh, provides that flexibility. And what I've seen in that is it really helps all the students kind of put their walls down. The ones who are ready to move on, they feel good. They feel empowered. They feel like, oh, I can do this. And like, even I'm in a college prep course, but I can still do this and I can still move faster. So they kind of, I don't know, they are, they're like proud of themselves, even though it's maybe not an honors course. And then you have those students who really do need that extra time because they just struggle in math. Um, it provides that. So then they're not so angry with math anymore. They get excited about it because they don't feel that pressure from all the like those freshmen who are ready to move on right away. Um, so it really meets the needs for everyone because if you're like me, you have a crazy colorful class with all like all in between of like grade levels and abilities and all that. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it's hard to really reach all students when everyone's doing the same thing at the exact same time. It's actually very easy for students who need the most help to shrink into the background and become invisible. And Mm -hmm. then that's how, you know, traditionally they've been passed through the system and 
you know, they're not serviced at all. So I, that absolutely makes sense. Um, there was something else that I was going to ask. Um, this type of classroom environment seems like it would take, it will require students to have a growth mindset. Um, and I know that in a Oh, yes, I love growth mindset. Yes. Yes, yes. I definitely think that's like the key here. You know, yes. when I reflect on um, on my teaching experience, um, you know, just starting off, I recognize that, you know, the system, some school system set it up to where students, you know, start to learn norms like, you know, there's such a thing as the smart students over there. And I'm a I'm a not so smart right. student. So that means, you know, I, I don't care about school because I know I can't do it. Um, so. In order to move from, you know, everybody doing the same thing at the same time to, you know, flexibility and, you know, I can quiz when I want, I can test when I want. Like, how do you cultivate growth mindset with your students, especially at the high school level? Because that's a skill they have to have when they leave high school. Yes. Yeah. So in that beginning first couple of days of um, getting them just situated with the class and kind of exposing them with little pieces of personalized learning. We talk about growth mindset. We talk, I have actually a sign on my front door um, of my classroom that says enter with a growth mindset. So they're seeing those words, they're being exposed to it before they even come into my classroom because that's as much as I believe in personalized learning, I also believe in growth mindset. And I think you're right. They go so much hand in hand. And so I have to teach students to say, well, one, do more if you need more. And that's why this personalized learning stuff works because it provides you with the opportunity to get more practice, to re-watch re a video if you need to. Um, and then we really talk about just like, guys, you might like not know this stuff yet, or that's okay. Like you're in my class for a reason. And some of this stuff, and I tell them it's going to be hard. And I tell them specifically about algebra two, I've heard that it's the most failed course in all United States high school because it's hard because wow. you have this hodgepodge of students. And yeah. And so I tell them there are going to be times it's going to be hard. And I know it's going to be hard. But with that growth mindset, it's not that, oh, it's hard, so I give up. But, okay, let me rewatch that video. Let me get some extra practice from Ms. Allsbrook. And, hey, I can do all this without, like, being embarrassed because nobody else knows that I need this extra practice because I'm on my own journey. I'm on my own personalized learning journey. Um, so I really try to help them realize, like, if you need more, you do more. But we also try – I'm big on groups, and I – I know grouping, you can kind of, there's different thoughts about grouping, but I group the students where they are. I don't group like highs and lows together in the same group because I want them to have good conversations about the math. If you're in lesson 7.3 and Bobby is in lesson 7.5, you're holding Bobby back. And like, so then the whole personalized learning thing isn't, isn't happening because Bobby can't excel and move ahead because he's still trying to help you. So I group them on where they are. And so I'm big on groups, but I also try to encourage them to encourage each other. Hey, if your group or your table mate isn't having a growth mindset, call them out. Tell them, hey, you're not having a growth mindset. Um, let's do this. And I tell them like, it's a, it's a thing we have to do together. We have to work together. We're going to get through it together. Um, so. We like, I love growth mindset and we try to hold each other accountable in our class. And um, I feel like that is what helps make personalized learning work. So I noticed that you mentioned that um, you 
recently had a baby and were out on maternity leave for a while and was able, you know, your classroom practices were able to be sustained while you were out. Now we're in another situation where we're out and obviously now we're at the latter end of the academic year. But what was that process or experience like for you as a teacher transitioning to remote learning in this, you know, time frame that we're in now? So we were able to go back to my school like a day or two before we had to start with this remote learning. And I can tell you, I was a lot less stressed than most everybody else in the building because I already had a plan. I was already planning units out. My students already knew where to go and access the notes, how to go through the notes on their own, how to watch the videos of me working out the problems. So it, so besides all the extra stuff with the remote learning and all the extra emails and all of that mess, um, the core part of the learning in my classroom hasn't changed. And my students, unfortunately for them, they don't have excuses because we're using the same setup. We're using the same outlines. They know to access it in the same way. So unfortunately, they can't have any excuses. So they have to keep going with the material. So I know that they probably don't like that as much, but it has been a much easier transition um, for at least my students and me in this process because we were already, we're doing what we were already doing. So that's really nice. Now, of course, I missed the group review. And so I've had to make a lot of videos of, hey guys, just checking in with you. This is what you should have learned yesterday. Um, watch this quick review if you are still struggling. So there's been a little bit of that just because I'm not able to do that in the classroom. Um, but learning is still happening. And um, I don't feel like my students are any less prepared than my students who took my class last semester because they're going through the same material that we did last semester. So that's been nice. Now, from your students' perspective, what do you think, um, if, if we were to speak with one of the students in your class, what do you think that they would say is the difference, has made the difference in their experience in your class versus maybe, you know, another teacher's class that maybe isn't on this type of wavelength? What do you think that they kind of get sure. out of it? I think, and I talk about this too, that very first week of class and setting up that this learning is on them. And they, and I, and when I came back from maternity leave, I also had to have this conversation with my new students that, hey guys, you can't blame the substitute anymore and you can't blame me because I know I do my job well. So it's on you now. And so there's no scapegoat. Um, just because this learning really does fall on them. And so I think it really teaches them accountability. Um, I actually had, so this is a fun thing that I, one of my funnest, I guess, funnest memories of personalized learning. So my first semester, when I started it mid-semester, I had a student who just was struggling with getting on the bandwagon. She just, she fought it every day. And so we actually had a parent meeting um, about this student and the mom was just kind of concerned about, you know, cause she was being mama bear and she was coming to the rescue of her daughter. And so we just were having a conversation about like, what, why am I doing this? What does it look like in my classroom? And there was a time in that parent meeting, she just paused and she said, wait a minute. This is the first time my student has ever been held accountable. And she was a junior. And so then the conversation completely changed and it now was on the student. So then she stopped looking at me and she looked at her daughter and said, wait a minute, why aren't you doing your notes? Why aren't you getting extra help? Why aren't you taking advantage of Ms. Osbrook's one-on-one time because she's not at the board? So it completely changed the whole way that meeting was going. And then fun story to add to that is the next year, 
that student emailed me and she said, look, I'm really struggling in this math class because I don't have personalized learning anymore. Please send me old things or help me out. So that was that was fun. Um, but I think it really teaches them that they're accountable 100%. And then that there are no excuses. So if you're successful, be proud of yourself because you did that. And if you're not successful, then let's have that conversation because you're doing something that you're, you shouldn't be doing. We need to change that. We need to have a growth mindset. We need to say, okay, this isn't working. So we need to try something new. So I think they're empowered when they leave my class. And I think that they really have a good understanding of what it means to be accountable for their learning. And earlier I talked about how I have those seniors in my class who, you know, typically aren't, you know, the strongest students in math because that's why they're taking algebra two as a senior. But I have those kids who are making A's who are exempting their final exam their senior year. And they came in thinking, okay, I'm not going to be good at this. I've never been good at this. But because they were able to work at their own pace and because they took accountability, then they were successful at it. And they got to walk out not having this negative connotation about math anymore. But like, wow, I can do this if I put my mind to it. If I have a growth mindset, I can do it. So I really, I think of all things, and at least I hope that's what they're taking out of my class. And I tell them, I'm like, guys, I know you're not going to remember everything in Algebra 2. That's fine. What I want you to do is I want you to take the life skills, the the time management skills, the accountability skills. I want you to take that from my class. And hey, if you remember how to factor, great. But the biggest thing is taking those life skills because personalized learning teaches that, that direct instruction doesn't necessarily teach. Absolutely. I think everything that you described was something that can be represented on the profile of the South Carolina graduate, which is what the goal is for us, you know, for students when they leave high school, for them to be equipped with, you know, those, you know, career characteristics and traits. But, you know, it's important Mm -hmm. for us as teachers to be able to provide opportunity. So um, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. Hey, have you signed up for PD this year? If not, It's not too late to get plugged into some awesome resources, community, and built-in supports that the Office of Personalized Learning has to offer this year. Of course, we're switching things up and modeling the model by offering synchronous and asynchronous ways to engage with learning at your own pace. So, get a team together for launch, join us for the coaching and leading cohort, apply to be an SC Competencies Fellow, and be on the lookout for our Framework Foundation series dropping real soon. For more information, please visit personalizedsc.ed.se.gov. Now let's get back to the show. We're back um, with Katie and we are now ready for our special segment. I like to call this making it or breaking it. So Katie, share with us your make or break in regards to personalized learning or your journey towards personalization in your class. Um, okay, let's go with me. I don't know. I think the make it, it happens every single semester and it never gets old when the light bulb comes on. And I have these students who, and I love to ask them, um, a kind of, it's an avid strategy at the very beginning. What, like, what do you think about this class? What it kind of like helping them think about just math in general. So what do you think about it? What do you think about math? How does it make you feel? What do you, what are your words towards math? Things of that sort. And 
generally it's pretty negative. Um, but I love every, and this is what keeps me going at the end of every semester. It like, they get it and they're like, wait a minute, I can do this. And I was like, I'm no longer the one who is like scoring the lowest. I'm being successful and I'm now at the top of the class because I've had this opportunity to really take accountability and really get the, get the time that I need. So get that one on one time so that I can help build those skills or get time to really build those pre knowledge skills before they move on to the notes, things of that sort. And so every semester, it never fails. I have students who finally, it clicks for them. They no longer hate math. Math doesn't make them feel scared anymore. Um, they, and then they're emailing me, okay, what, what other classes do you teach? Because I need, this is the only way I can learn. And I love when they say, wait a minute, I have to go to direct instruction next year. What? No. And so that, that makes it for me every single time. And that makes me want to keep going and going and going because it works every semester. It works. I think you mentioned that you do, um, you do have your students work at their own pace but also you provide like one-on-one time for students. How do you kind of like set that up in your classroom? And what does that look like? So um, kind of typical day. So the very beginning of the class, it starts off with some type of review or, hey, this is what you should have grasped from yesterday's lesson, or this is, and, and it also sets them up for, this is what you should get through today. So then that's kind of where I am at the front of the classroom, probably for the first five to maybe 15 minutes if it's a review. And then I'm set free. I'm no longer stuck to the front of the classroom. So I'm constantly moving around. It also allows me to see their faces and see like, hey, wait a minute, you're struggling with this. And you don't necessarily get to see that because when you have 30 students in a class and they're all in rows, you can't see, you know, little Sally sitting behind Bobby because Bobby may be taller than Sally or whatever it may be. But this provides me with like real time to see like, wait a minute, I see your face. You're confused. Let's sit down. Let's have a conversation. Um, so it kind of works organically in that sense. But I also set up opportunities like Hey guys, if you're struggling, especially with certain sections that I know are a little bit more difficult, um, fill out this Google form. Let me know if you need me to call you up for a small group. And I, I know where they're going to struggle just because I've taught for a couple of years. Um, so I go ahead and I build those things in where I know that it's necessary. And sometimes again, it happens organically. Like, wow, everybody's asking that same question. So let me start pulling people in. Um, and things of that sort. So sometimes organically and sometimes it's structured like, hey, this is a difficult lesson. I need to see your face. I need to make sure that you're getting it. So you have to come and do small group instruction with me before you can move on to the practice. So kind of works in both ways. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. I really appreciate this conversation. If there's a listener that's listening and they want to get in touch with you or reach out to you in any way, how can they get in touch with So, well, if you're listening and you're still on the fence, do it. I think personalized learning is the best thing since sliced bread. Like I, I can't teach any other way. And like, it just doesn't work. My brain doesn't function. And they told us this in our training. Once you start with the personalized learning mindset, you won't be able to think any other way. But yes, please reach out to me. I have great resources. Um, you can reach out to me by email. Um, it's Kay Allsbrook. So K-A-L-L-S-B-R-O-O-K at richland2.org. Um, I teach 
and I've done personalized learning with Algebra 1, Algebra 2, and um, Probability and Statistics. Well, thank you so much, Katie. Catch you next time. See you in a sec to close out. Thanks again for tuning in to today's episode of Making It Personal. Be sure to connect with the Office of Personalized Learning on social media. Tweet us at PersonalizedSC and follow us on Instagram at SCPersonalize. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, share with a friend, and tune in for a brand new episode every month. We'll catch you next time on Making It Personal. See ya!